All right. Well, welcome to Sweet Tea and Coffee. My name is Blake Russell, and I'm sitting across the table from the new kid in town. I'm the new kid in town. That's another Eagles reference that we're going to put in there. I'm going to try to stick those in wherever I can. Greatest band of all time. So across from me is John James. He is our guest host for the next couple months, and uh, we're excited. Today we're going to hear a little bit about his story, and uh, let's just get it going. Okay, like I said, John James, this is his inaugural episode with us, and uh, he's drinking a big old cup of coffee. That was that was a thing that Kendall's insistent that that John take over because he drinks coffee. I don't think he wanted another tea drinker on the show. Well, I don't know how there's some sort of rivalry between sweet tea and coffee. Uh, you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't get that either. Yeah, I think there should be more of a rivalry between. Good tea and bad tea and good coffee versus bad coffee. Like, yeah. No one likes to have a bad cup of sweet tea, and no one likes to have a bad cup of coffee. Right. So yeah. as long as you make a good product, I don't really care. But it doesn't matter. Each is own. Yeah. So uh, so John, w- today we just thought that this episode would be kind of devoted to uh, learning about John. You know, uh, a lot of people see John, a lot of people know John, but how well do they really know John? So. Uh, any any thoughts you want to say to that? Like, do you feel like you're an open person? Do people know your story? Or is this going to be like revelation to, to most of our listeners? Well, if you ask my wife, she'll say that I'm kind of open, but there's like a secret side of me that I just keep personal. I don't know. I think I'm pretty much an open I mean, book. I, I think that's good, though. I also think I have a bad habit of oversharing at times. So there are random people so, that know yeah, random so we'll things see about how this, me. We'll see how this, this goes today. So... Uh, John, what year? How long have you been here? What year? Am yeah, I? what did, what year did you get here? Is what I meant to say. I'm in the 21st grade. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I came here in 2013. Okay, uh, I graduated high school in 2011. I did two years at a community college, and I came down here in 2013. And I went to Fredonia Hill uh, my first Sunday in Nacogdoches. Yeah, yeah, I, I have very fond and vague memories of of that. It's kind of a combination, but. John was uh well actually I'll I'll save that story for for later of we don't want to give away how, how you kind of got here to Fredonia Hill but anyway okay so uh, tell us about yourself how, you know where are you from uh, and how'd you get here yeah so actually I was born in Chattanooga um, so those of y'all who are in geography uh, experts will know that's in in Tennessee near the Georgia East line. Tennessee yeah so I was born in Chattanooga I still have family that lives up there uh, in Cleveland and. But when I was really young, when I was about two, my family moved down to Fort Worth, um, and I lived in Fort Worth for the majority of my life until I moved down here to Nacogdoches. Okay, so as uh, right now, as we're recording this, the World Series is in like full swing. Like yes. it's a, it's a it's a battle right now. And, it is. And if you don't know John James, you probably don't follow him on Instagram then, because you would you would see this constant berating of everybody about the Braves. Now, so, berating is an interesting term. Something about home of the Braves, and I'm like, well, no, yeah, maybe Georgia, yes. but not everywhere. See, I, I believe that the Atlanta Braves are America's team. Are they? And, <laughs> and that America needs the Braves to win the World Series. <laughs> um, I believe there's only 
one town in the whole state of the union that's rooting for the Astros, and that's the city of Houston. Everywhere Maybe else so. is well, there's, and apparently Nacogdoches. They're still bitter about it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So that's is that this is where the the, the Braves yeah connection that's part came of it from. that's part of it. There's I a mean, little, there's a little more to it, but uh, being born in Chattanooga, my family. Uh, is like Tennessee Titan fans. My grandmother's a diehard Titan fan. Um, were the Titans even there whenever you were there? Well, the Oilers. Okay. The the Oilers and you know it gets foggy. Yeah, it gets yeah, yeah it gets complicated. The Braves used to be in Milwaukee, anyways. But so the Braves uh, are kind of part of the family uh, team. And so when I started getting into baseball, uh, you know, I grew up in Fort Worth, and the Rangers have kind of historically been terrible, except for that 2010 2011 yeah. uh, time. Uh, and so I never really was into baseball, but when I really got into baseball, uh, it was kind of cool to jump on the part of what my family did, being the Braves. And since then, it's, I've drank the Kool Aid. I mean, the Braves have way. had some good runs. I mean, probably in your in your formative years, the Braves were a pretty yeah. I mean, you've got team. John Smoltz, you've got Greg Maddox, you've got Chipper Andrew Jones. Like these are Hall of Famers that all yeah. of America knows. Uh, so I mean, it's 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 really cool to be a part of that. And so the. To see the Braves in the World Series, um, actually last year we went to an NLCS game and got to see them beat the Dodgers. Uh, it was during COVID, but they had a game and Globe Life in Arlington, and so interesting. It's not very often I can go to a, a home Braves playoff game right in East Texas, so that was totally, totally well. Cool. We should probably shift from sports before John Kennan turns this podcast off and talk about. Okay, so you you moved to DFW area, Fort Worth, and that's kind of where. You grew up, yeah. So I grew up there, um, and went to church at an early age. Um, when I was a younger man, I had two career goals. I either wanted to be a professional basketball player, um, or I wanted to be the um, a trash pickup guy. So I wanted to to hang on the back <laughs> of the trash truck because those guys got to live life on the edge. Yeah, uh, they could just hang out around town. You know, when you're a kid and you like get to ride in the bed of a truck, you think it's the coolest thing ever. Right. Well, imagine doing that and getting a paycheck. And so, <laughs> six year old John thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, but no, I went to went to high school there, um, made some good friends, uh, met the Lord when I was at a young age. When I was at the age of six, uh, I gave my life to the Lord. Um, but I will tell you, like, I didn't really understand what it looked like yeah. to follow the Lord. I just knew the basics. Yeah. Like, who Jesus is, who God is, I believe in him, uh, you know, invited him to my heart, like those types right, of right. ordeals. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in a very traditional uh, Baptist church. And when I say traditional, I mean, every sermon, my pastor would sing three hymns in the middle of the sermon. <laughs> and so I memorized the hymnal right. uh, backwards and forwards and the the old hymnal that you never even really know about. I like have them just right. edged in my mind. Sometimes I'll bring up songs to Melina and she'll tell me I have no idea what yeah, that song yeah. is because she grew up in some contemporary church with guitars or whatever. But um, so, anyways, it was in that church that I began to follow the Lord. Um, but it was around ninth grade, I think, that I began to understand okay, I believe in Jesus. I believe in what he's done for me. But God, I want to really want to make you, at that time, I used to afraid boss, the boss of my life. Uh, you know, it's, that's when I began to understand God has authority in my life. Yeah. As I talked to a lot of people, that's about the same time that people begin to put it together. Uh, if you come to know the Lord at an early age, it's in middle school, high school, early years of college where you begin to realize, okay, yeah. there's something here that, God, you have authority yeah. and you get to make control. 
of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty normal. You know, we've got young kids and we're kind of walking through those same conversations and, um, you know, there's some understanding there and, and really kind of grabbing some of the big concepts, but sometimes, and, and maybe that's, that's the sanctification in the discipleship process of you don't understand all of it until you're a little bit older, but to me, that's that process of playing that out over the years. I think that's okay. Yeah, and I, I think part of that is you believe what you can understand at yeah. an early age. Yeah. But as you mature, you begin to like have a fuller um, just view of what actually is going on. Mm-hmm. You begin to have a fuller understanding of the gospel. And so I began to realize that my salvation, you know, when I prayed at six, that was real. That was authentic. But it just took me a while to further understand what I had done. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of makes sense right there. But yeah, so I grew up in that church and I got heavily invested um, in that ministry. Um, when um, I was in youth group, we had a larger youth group. And so I got to be invested by a lot of different guys. Uh, I always say that I'm a believer in the power of mentorship. Yeah. So when I was in eighth grade, my family went through a, a divorce. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say I'm a res- I believe in the power of mentorship is because I'm a direct result of deacons in my church seeing uh, someone yeah. and investing in him. And so I am who I am today directly because of guys like Larry Osborne, Kevin Gailey, uh, mm-hmm. all these guys, Jeff Holmes, David Barks, because they took their time to 100% invest in me uh, and to do things I didn't want to yeah, do. Yeah, you've told me stories yeah. about scenarios where it was like, this is terrible. Why am I having to do this, these things? Oh, yeah. They like their way of showing love for me would, you know, pick me up in their truck and go make me remodel this person's bathroom. Yeah. I, I, in my spare time now, I would never even choose to remodel my own bathroom, let alone <laughs> someone I've never met. Uh, but it was good. And in the process, I learned a lot about uh, cars and I learned a lot about yeah. what it's mean to serve people. And yeah. so I like, I got some life skills. Well, that's the kind of thing. Yeah. When, you're, when you're a kid and you're in the moment, you're like, this is awful. You you look back though you're like wow like that was really I'm really grateful yeah, that it, cared it really for me. shaped me and taught me things and yeah so if you're sitting to this and you're, you need to go care for someone in our church uh, call up some 13 uh, year old kid that's a great way who's a punk yeah. and bring him along yeah but cool so uh, I, here's another fun fact and and you can speak more to this John has held every Christian job that you can possibly have. And by Christian job, I'll let him explain a little bit. You'll understand when he explains what what some of these jobs were. So I'm not proud of this at all, but at the same time I am. Yeah. Every stereotypical, like what you think about where a Christian works. Like a teenager should, yeah, yeah. I've worked there. Um, So I started off mowing lawns, you know, every guy mows lawns. But then I worked at Mardell, which is a Christian bookstore. I was a cashier there. And then I worked at Lifeway, which is a Christian bookstore. Worked there for like four and a half years. Then I worked for the North American Mission Board in Lifeway, and I did two summers and in World Changers. I was a oh, yeah, I worship that. leader yeah. for World Changers. Uh, lived in Indianapolis for two years. Um, I'm still not a Colts fan or a Pacers <laughs> fan, but lived in Indianapolis for two summers. Um, and then I came here and I worked at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And uh, that was when Brendan was there, and I worked at Chick-fil-A. And then I worked at a church as an intern, and then worked at a church as a in the office, and now I'm as a pastor. Yeah, but yeah. So you've like done the the whole cycle, done done it all. 
I mean, oh, I mean, I've done everything from dress up as Larry the Cucumber to be the <laughs> be the Chick Fil A cow yeah. to uh, hey, my first semester in college, I did uh, intramural sports refereeing, and okay. that was hands down the worst uh, job I've ever had. They, it wasn't you didn't do upward refereeing though. Well, no, but I coached you upward. You coached upward, okay. And, yeah. So, so I mean, I've done that, it all. We got and that in there. If okay, there's good. a job that a Christian's normally done, it's probably on my resume. Uh, so now, I'm actually, I'm going to add hosted a podcast to my LinkedIn yeah, profile. There you so go. I'll be good. So tell me a little bit about uh, kind of your your walk with the Lord during teenage years. I'm just kind of curious, because Ken and I have talked about that before yeah. on our podcast, and um, I feel like there's something there. I think, you know, you, you talked about... You get your you guys went through a divorce when you're in eighth grade, so that's like the front end of your teenage years, yeah. and then and then you've had all these Christian jobs sure. during that time. What was what was the your life with the Lord like that in those 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 years? Man, so I grew up in a, a church that loved the Lord, um, but they were very much um, right and wrong. Study your Bible, um, kind of what you think about when you think about. I guess a traditional Baptist church or anything yeah. along those lines, and so a a high excellence of morality was kind of placed on me, but there wasn't a teaching of the Holy Spirit and learning to walk in the Holy Spirit and learning to live in relationship with God. It was much more read your Bible, do what God asked you to do, and what did He ask you to do? What you read in your Bible that morning. Yeah, and there's a lot of good in that. Um, and as a result, there's a, a lot of good things I did uh, in high school. It's like, you know, I kind of began to look back at my life and I could see markers of what God was doing. Like I, I led a, a Bible study uh, on yeah. my high school or I led a Bible study in my community college. Um, but there was also a part of my life that was really lacking as far as relationship connection with God. I used to lay in bed and I'd read my Bible or whatever, and I'd, I'd pray. I'd go, God, there's got to be more yeah. than just... Doing these things, doing these things, yeah. and reading my Bible, like there's got to be something more. Uh, so when, I mean, I was at the point where if someone said, "Hey, you need to follow Jesus," I would legitimately only think about reading my Bible, right? Um, and maybe sharing my faith, and like that was that was it. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't until college when I began to realize who the Holy Spirit was, and began to change my whole yeah perspective on living a life in submission to the authority and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Um, living a life in connection with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like, that's brand new concept. The Holy Spirit is things that brings alive everything you read in the text. Uh, but in high school, I feel like I was cared for and by my church very well. Um, yet, I I still just missed the part about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so there's a good mix feelings of I'm really grateful and at the same time going, y'all missed a major part of it. What happened here? Um, but... I think it set me up to think through different challenges. I had a mentor uh, that taught me how to witness, or I had um, another mentor that uh, just, they played different roles in my life. So like not having a dad, at moments there would be voids. Uh, there would yeah. be shoes that weren't being filled. Right, yeah. Um, like I remember one time I had to go Christmas shopping for my mom, and I don't have a car, and how am I going to go Christmas shopping for my mom if my yeah. mom's the one who drives me places? Yeah. And, <laughs> it's kind of uh, kind of awkward, sneaky. yeah. yeah. And this was before Amazon, you know? Yeah. And, well, Jeff, one of the... He was my Sunday school teacher from eighth grade uh, until my senior year of high school. Um, and I'm still so good friends with him. Um, he took me Christmas shopping, and we just had a blast hanging out at the mall. Yeah. And it's it's guys like that who 
took investment in me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so when I say that I believe in mentorship, it's not like just some cool statement I say to tweet. Like, I right. 100% believe that it changes lives. Yeah. And then if you choose to invest in someone, you can change that person's life. I, but it, mentorship's weird because you think if I need to do A, B, and C in order to get a certain result. But in reality, you just got to put in hours. You just yeah, got to spend time with people. It doesn't have to be complicated. I think, yeah, we think it has to be complicated, and you've got to have all everything together to be able to do it. But it just it just gives some time, gives some hours. Uh, yeah, and I think I could remember maybe five things Jeff taught me in life. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he taught me 3,000, and I remember five. But right. I remember the relationship yeah. that I have with him and other guys. So I, I 100% believe I'm only who I am today because of mentorship. So That's cool. Okay, so let's, let's kind of transition and move towards um, coming to Nacogdoches. I, I remember getting a phone call from a friend of mine who was a worship leader up in, the, in that area, and he was saying, hey, I've got this, this kid that I've kind of been... Uh, mentoring and discipling, and uh, he's interested in worship, um, looking for a place to, to get plugged in and to serve, and it's this John James guy, and yeah, and, and I was like, okay, let's let's see what we got, and then you're you talking about up. Chris, yeah, Chris. So Chris had helped me produce my first, uh, I guess, EP. Yeah, uh, I was doing worship ministry at the time, and Chris had helped me produce an EP. He, he led worship at our youth camp for years upon years. And so we developed a relationship. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember my very first Sunday. Um, it was kind of weird. <laughs> I'm laying in bed the night before I go to church. I just moved in my dorm. Um, I was I was on top of the world. And it's this surreal moment. I've only ever felt this one time in my life where I'm laying in bed and I, this thought occurred to me, I can be anyone I want to be tomorrow. I've left home, and everyone yeah, who knows like me... Yeah, it's a fresh start here. It, I can be anything I want to be tomorrow. Um, and I remember showing up, and it's not like I say that and all of these changes happened. I mean, I was still the same guy. Yeah, you're still a yeah, quirky, 20-year-old weird, or yeah. 19-year-old, you know, but I, I would trying say, to figure out who you are anyway. I came to church, and... Um, well, back up. My very, very, very first Sunday, we came in the spring, um, and that was when the day that uh, Danny was saying... Oh, yeah. One of our former staff members was going in the mission field. and so, Right. Yeah. And that was my very first yep. Sunday, and yep. he was leaving. I was like, okay, this is great. <laughs> so, but then when my very first Sunday was Lumberjack Sunday, uh, I got up connected with Blake right after service, um, and he got me connected with Brendan and on the 24-7 uh, team and I really just wanted to play. I wanted to help lead worship, yeah. and that was a passion that God had yeah. given me. And you know, little did I know what He would begin to do in that process. Uh, but I guess we started hanging out right about the same time. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know when this transition took place. This is it's been so long, so it's hard for me to remember. But eventually, you kind of transitioned to become my first armor bearer that I had. Yes. So um, obviously, you had a passion for music and worship ministry and and we were expanding the armor bear program at that time and so i remember that i remember that i was kind of like the little cat that just hung out around yeah you were already here anyway all the time yeah so it just made sense i remember there was one time we were in the worship center and you like looked at me and it's like you know i can't promise you anything but maybe potentially possibly we're hoping there's something yeah yeah (laughs) And you know you hear that as a nineteen year old, and you're like, "It's definitely happening. Yeah, we're gonna do this. Yeah, um, 
but I think I went off to do World Changers to lead worship yeah. in Indianapolis, and then I came back and started uh, Arm Bear. I did Arm Bear for a long time, two and a half years. Yeah. So I have the second longest Arm Bear tenure. Uh, Melina has me beat by three months, and then uh, Ann Holcomb has well, Ann Rodriguez now has the third longest at two years and like one month. But yeah, I don't know why I I, I just there's love not that. like a Hall of Fame. Yeah, it doesn't exist or yeah. something that for longest arm bear. But that is pretty interesting. Uh, okay, so you 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 ser- you're serving in the worship ministry on, as an armor bear, and and really you kind of feel like that's a passion and maybe something that yeah. you'd like to explore. Yeah. It, so I just love worship ministry. I love singing to the Lord. Um, I love playing my guitar. Um, I think it's um, maybe it's Jeff calls you singing John James. There's a uh, th- there's a nickname. That, yeah, there's some. I don't Jeff well, Cupid. Well, let me tell you. Me let me tell you things. the reason why this is. Is the this case. the Josh Jerry story? No, 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 no. That's a different. We got a lot of stories. But uh, you at the time, the Arm Bear housing was in the apartments across the parking lot. Yeah. And uh, John, it was very easy for John to come over here to to go to work because it was just a quick walk across the parking lot. But I would, we would watch out the window, the, the offices, and as you were coming across, you would always just be singing at the top of your lungs. You just like having a great day, and yeah. I'm just singing, and I think that's where originally it came from. So that's you couldn't funny. hold it back. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, those apartments. Uh, I one time came home to that apartment, and some of my friends from college had placed uh, my entire mattress, yeah, the mattress, on all the roof. of my closet on the roof. So yeah. I did a really good job picking out friends. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Parker uh, yeah. Latimer. Yeah, but. No, I think in the midst of that, I worked on worship ministry and developed connections with the guys. Uh, you know, coming into a church that's connected and and doing worship ministry well, it's a little intimidating. You don't really know what you're doing. You're just a young guy who loves to sing and loves to play. And, yeah. and if you're being honest, it's a little cocky uh, because yeah. all of us at 19 are I mean, cocky. Yeah. 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 And uh, I remember just being told, learning all these lessons about leadership and everything, well, the coolest thing about worship ministry is that it puts you in places with it for experiences. Like you get put in youth ministry where you have yeah. to learn how to worship, like worship the Lord and lead a band. You get put in college yeah. ministry. You get put in kids ministry. I was talking about this with Ann Robick the other day about how you just get placed in in different positions and you get to learn to lead people of that demographic to yeah. the Lord. Uh, and so one day you could be worshiping with. A bunch of college students who are all they want to raise their hands and like jump to the roof. The next day, it's a bunch of youth who are like, who don't even recognize you're there. Yeah. Uh, and or then you could have like an all men's, and then it's it so it just doesn't. Yeah. It, it was pretty cool though to see the Lord begin to define my calling in my life in the midst of doing that, and, and that was a that was a big process that I kind of worked through in the midst of all of that. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, about that calling because um, your current title does not have worship minister leader in that title. It doesn't, yeah. Yeah, so currently you work with university students. In, I do. Uh, how was that transition from being all in on worship to university? How did that process take place? Well, if I'm totally honest, um, it's 100% surprised me. Growing up, I wanted to do ministry. Um, it was something I... Even going back to my junior year of high school, I remember I have a youth camp experience where I wanted to begin to do ministry, and I thought it'd be worship ministry. Yeah, I didn't even know college ministry existed. 
Yeah. Um, I grew up in the smack dab middle Fort Worth, so we didn't like do college ministry right. at our yeah. church. It was yeah. just families and youth. And youth. Yeah. Yeah. The youth group of like 100, 150 people. I didn't know that college ministry existed. Um, and so I went to the college ministry here. It changed my life and it began to, for the first time in my life, I began to have community. Um, we can talk more about that. But I, there was this girl that I was very, uh, interested in, let's just put it that way, <laughs> uh, ended up marrying her, uh, Melina, and she was the college ministry armor bearer at the time. Right. Now, when we got married, I had no idea that her and I would do college ministry. I had no idea. I knew I just wanted to work at a church. I think at that time, I was just working in the office doing graphic designer. Yeah. Uh, I mostly just fixed the printer. Uh, which, yeah, that's a full-time job in itself. Yeah, I've... Please, if you're listening to this podcast, the last thing in the world I want to do is come fix your printer. Yeah, please don't, don't call me because <laughs> um, I know nothing. But when I got married to Melina, we, I just heard her articulate a call from the Lord to do college ministry in her own life. Yeah. And so I said, well, you know, if you're married to me, like I, I guess we're this is what this we're going to do. Yeah. Um, and so I started investing in guys, having um, you know discipleship groups in my home on my off days, and just fell in love with it. Um, there's a phrase that we use in college ministry. Uh, we took it from uh, our, the seminary that Kendall and I went to, but it says that calling is formed in your life, not found. Hmm. In other words, like you don't just wake up one day and discover your calling, but rather God yeah. pieces it together in your life over time. Mm-hmm. And so if calling is formed, not found, then if I already relate that back to my story, I can begin to see that God right. is, yeah. is building these pieces um, of different areas of doing ministry. Like when we were in Armor Bear, uh, Blake would always tell me like only 10% of what we do is about music. 90% yeah. is about learning to be a pastor. And I, I took that in, but also going, that's weird. I just kind of want to go up there and shred and like have yeah. fun. And, yeah. um, and, but he would say, no, learn how to be a pastor, learn how to be yeah. a pastor. And, and that devotion to learning how to be a pastor really is a skill that translates across ministries. And so when I, um, began to follow and kind of what Melina was doing. I caught the bug of college ministry and began to just invest them over and over and over again. Uh, and then I realized that college students are the most um, sendable students on the planet. Yeah. They're the most reachable people on the planet. Uh, college is literally a recruitment culture. Mm-hmm. If you go on uh, a college campus, everyone's recruiting you to be a part of the organization. Right. Yeah. And it's normal for you to walk up to someone and say, hey, we have this organization. You should come be a part of it. And so they're open to you telling them about Jesus. They're open to you telling them uh, about the organization, and they, they want community. So they're most uh, equipable. You can teach them about anything. So equipable, reachable, sendable, moldable, yeah. like that's college students. Yeah, and they're in that season of life to where it's like, I don't know who I am, and I'm trying to figure that out. So. Absolutely. And so like studies yeah. show the first 30 days of a freshman's life uh, change the trajectory of his life. So the friends and the habits that he makes in the first he or she makes in the first thirty days of their college uh, career shape who they're going to be, and so for the first thirty days we go crazy just trying to reach these college students. Yeah. Um, and so I I just caught the bug. Uh, yeah. I love it, and I believe that we can reach the world by just reaching the college campus. It's um, particularly at Stephen F. Austin. I I feel like if you're going to live here, you're going to do college ministry. Like you need to be, uh, you need to bleed purple. That's what I say all the yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, and to, be, to care about the university. And it helps that w- we went there. But all in all, I would say a lot of it had to do with Melina, and then it had to do with God forming it in me. Right. And then one day Developing. I woke up and I went, oh my gosh, 
this is what I want to do. Yeah. And I don't want to do this half-heartedly. Like, I want to jump in the deep end. Yeah. Um, and we were lucky enough that uh, that Kendall offered us the job um, yeah. and offered for Melina and I to do it together, um, both on staff, uh, which is crazy and fun and crazy. But we love it. Yeah. So, you know, I, in my early years of, of worship ministry, I did a lot of stuff uh, with university ministry. And, and it, it can be an intense field uh, of ministry. But you guys... You guys do a, a, a great job, and I like it. And even I think back to the years when I was doing in or in that world, it's like completely changed. And y'all y'all do a great job of adapting and kind of keeping up with the best ways to to reach these students because that changes. That's constantly changing. You know, new generations have new ways of being ministered to, and y'all do a great job of of deciphering that and kind of knowing knowing where to go. You know, it's interesting. We'll hear people say. Okay, in, in culture now, you see this, and they'll say something as a as a dominant way of culture. In my head, I go, I've seen that for the last five years. Right. Like, that's not new. Yeah. We've been working with that for the last five or six years. And so um, they're awesome in a way that they don't let some things bother them, uh, like people, some people who are older. Mm-hmm. But they're also, you know, young and immature and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, you know, it's in, that's an interesting point, because I was reading an article the other day about how, um, you know, even in, in modern workplaces now, the millennial generation, the habits and the practices that they had, you know, when they were younger are now pretty much the standard in the workplace, because now these the millennial generation, you know, has moved into positions of management and kind of running things and things like that. And, and so it's interesting to kind of see how that, that shift takes place, which is, you know, what you're seeing right now. Right. That's going to be a dominant shift that takes place in five to 10 years, you know? So it's, it's kind of interesting to, to, to watch that. Well, even the term millennial for us is yeah. outdated. Yeah. Which seems weird that we would say millennials outdated, but I deal with Gen Z right. and I only deal with Gen Z. Yeah. And Gen Z does things differently. They think differently. Yeah. Um, and that's, and I'm a millennial, and I'm not ashamed of that. And I know millennials get bad raps, um, but I'm a millennial, and technically Blake is too. He just technically barely. Yeah, he doesn't want to talk We're about on it. Different bookends but, of it. But yeah, yeah, I'm a textbook millennial. Yeah. Uh, Blake still thinks he like, like a boomer, baby boomer or something. Uh, but it's a I'm I'm in between an X and a millennial. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. He just doesn't want to be a millennial. But yeah. I'm a millennial, and I get told four times a week how old I am by my college students. They call me ancient, uh, outdated, no way that I'm in touch with society, which is crazy. I, oh, live, I, in, I live in the yeah. exact same world they do. I live off for gay. I am on yeah. Twitter, I'm on Instagram, and I'm outdated. It, it makes yeah, no actually, sense to actually me. Actually, I've had a lot of conversations lately. It's like, this is the first time in our lives, you know, we're in our mid to late 30s, and it's the first time in our lives that we feel like, like we're kind of out of touch with that generation. And I don't want to say completely out of touch, but it's like, wow, you can see the differences. I think that's more of what it is. Not out of touch, but like you can see the generational lines a lot more. Because like you said, I'm on the like the front end of the millennial. And now, you know, we're working with students that are right smack dab. Yeah, the, so our freshmen are were born in 2003 right now. That's the year I graduated high school. Yeah, so, so the freshmen in college were right. born in 2003. Yeah. Uh, they have no idea what Y2K is and... Um, Man, I, I remember that night. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do too. But they ha- they're clueless yeah. about any of that, let alone any of the events that happened in the 80s or the 90s. Right, yeah. Um, it, they're all history textbooks. Uh, yeah. So, but college ministry, I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, I think Melina and I, I can see Melina and I doing this uh, until we're 
old and gray-haired. Um, there's nothing inside of us that wants to move on to something bigger and better. We genuinely think college ministry is the future. Yeah. Um, I think it is, and this is my personal opinion, but I think it's the most strategic mission field um, in in Texas and in, and in the United States because it's a recruitment culture. You have students coming from all over nations, all over towns. They come to you, and every year you get so many thousand more, and they just naturally come to you, and you get to mm-hmm. meet them where they are. And then if you do a good job of discipling them in the Lord and helping them be be followers of Jesus, when they go back, they will impact their communities. Yeah. And so we're playing the long game. We're playing. We're trying to play the end game that, here. Yeah, and that's that's tough to do sometimes. But I mean, you and I both know, and we've seen this. You look around at some of the the people that we do ministry with, and you trace back the line of those formative years, and it goes back to a college ministry and how they grew in those moments. And uh, sometimes you don't see a lot of the fruit of that until way down the road. And it's hard, you know. We're, we're I mean, we're a college church. We've got a lot of students coming in out of here, and and you you do all this this training and preparation, and then you send them off and it's kind of, there's a, there's a bittersweet moment to it. It's kind of sad, but at the same time, it's really exciting because you just don't know where they're going to go and what they're going to do. Well, absolutely. And you don't want to keep your best people. Yeah. Um, if you're always keeping your best students, you're, you're being selfish and you're hoarding yeah. and you're actually preventing a larger movement of yeah, God Absolutely. versus sending your best. Yeah. And if you begin to send your best, you begin to impact other cities. Yeah. So I'd rather send our best, um, have a good foundation here, and send our, our best leaders. Yeah. And and God always provides the next the next crew. It's amazing. Uh, always. And, always. Uh, yeah, so that's that's a, that's one reassuring comfort in that. That and, and if we're if we're following that path, then I mean that's we're gonna keep we're gonna keep doing that. So yeah. So and I would just say like doing college ministry in Nacogdoches, I wasn't born in NAC, but I really wish I was. And I have no, you're an honorary no, honorary I, I, Ben. Yeah, I don't know if I would say Ben. <laughs> I, I, I'm okay with neck rat, uh, yeah. although I hate the rat. But <laughs> my, I've t- both my sons are Bens. They're born in neck, yeah. and I'm proud of that. Yeah, like immensely proud of that. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, as if I've done something. I don't know. Like, but, yeah, but I, I both my yeah. There's yeah. an accomplishment there to put on my resume. Another thing on my LinkedIn profile. But so. We love Nacogdoches, and uh, I wish it was a little less hot during the summer, um, but yeah. I call it the Colorado of Texas, it, um, it, except you just have to up the thermostat like 30 yeah. degrees. But other right. than that, there's no and there's no mountains. But yeah. So the, just the opportunity to be here and do ministry, uh, I, just, I don't get the opportunity to tell our congregation enough. Like We're just incredibly grateful. We love um, pastoring. We love caring for the people in our college ministry, um, caring for... Those in our community, uh, you know, we did trick or treating last night and got yeah. to meet some of the more people of our community, and uh, we just we love caring for Nack, and and so uh, you know, there's a there's a author I follow, Eugene Peterson, and he talks a lot about like a pastor's call is to care for a sense of place, and that the elders of the churches in the New Testament cared for the geographical locations, and Melina and I really feel like that call is also the same here to care for Nacogdoches, yeah. and now we're still learning because. I'm a little different than someone who grew up uh, in yeah. East Texas. I'm a little different from the guy sitting across the room from me, but uh, we're grateful for the opportunity to be here. So well, we and I think, I think it, it's two sides of one coin. I mean, I think that just as it's needed to have someone with reference of, like, I've, I know this community, I've been here my entire life, I think it's also that fresh perspective, too, that those working to, together and being intertwined, that's when you can be the most most effective. 
But anyway, all right. I think let's put a bookend on that right now. I'm sure that we're going to come back to some of this stuff. I had some other questions I wanted to ask you, but I'll save that. We've got like nine or ten weeks of this we got to fill, so we don't want to blow all of it on the first day. Um, all right. Uh, one thing we did want to mention is that it since John's here with us, we are going to have another Q&A, question and answer episode, and we I think we're going to do that probably early December. So between now and then, we need your questions, and there's going to be a couple different ways. Uh, like we said, John is uh, John is the hip. He knows all the the things that the I young folks like. I think I just said like. I'm not hip, actually. Well, <laughs> in com- in comparison to some of the other of us on staff, and so uh, rather we're still going to take uh, Q and A questions on the email. So uh, our email is stc at fredoniahill.org. And so if you have some questions, some burning questions for uh, John and I, it could be. Anything, anything. We're not looking for anything in particular. This could be, yeah. It could be deep. It could be shallow. It could be, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? It really does not matter. We just want to hear from you. We want you to have a voice on this podcast. Yeah, it it makes it fun. So, and then, so we'll take it through email. You can tell me when I'm walking in the street. I don't care. Um, But also, we're going to. So this podcast comes out on Tuesdays on our social media platforms. So. We'll do it on all of them that we possibly can. Yeah, either. we'll go ahead and share that. And so if you have questions, you guys can just fill that out on our Instagram Instagrams, pages. Yeah, so that we'll, on our stories, it should pop up, uh, you know, what questions do you have. We'll figure out something. Be, go, just go look for that. You'll find it. It'll be either on mine or John's or the churches. Or, we'll just put it anywhere we can. We want to get you guys questions. We'll, we may even do that a few different times to try to kind of populate that list. Um, but that will be coming up. Uh, please just give us something where we just want to, we just want to be an open I don't book. want your below average questions. Yeah, like, yeah. I want you to bring your A game here. I want to know you sit down and spend some quality, quality time yeah. thinking about these so questions. You, yeah. So, give me your best questions you got. Yeah. Okay. So give us something. And uh, like I said, STC at Fredoniahill.org. You can email us all that, any of those questions or any other suggestions or comments or encouragements we appreciate all of it and uh, i think that's a wrap on this week's episode yeah so stay tuned for next week's uh, podcast where we'll be picking into more of some of the stories that blake and i have but we also have some really important some, oh guests. yeah we have some guests coming up and uh we're gonna get those ironed out we're excited about those you'll hear some really cool stories yeah so thank y'all so much for tuning in today see ya